Hey everybody, welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast on the Sorry Sports Network, brought to you by SorrySports.com. As always, it is a Monday rundown, Monday, February 11th. Um, So Sean and I talked a little bit of NFL today, jumped in with the Kareem Hunt news, and then after that we talked Kyler Murray. Following that, we talked the NBA trade deadline recap, went around the league a little bit. After that, we talked about college basketball, talked about the major conferences except the Pac-12 because it sucks. And then we finished off the pod with some MLB. So next week, we'll be doing a collaborative pod with Justin the Suffering. So we'll be throwing that up next Monday. Enjoy the pod, guys. Stay warm and have a good night. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the pod. It's sorry to interrupt here for our Monday rundown on February 11th of 2019. Tom, what's up, man? How are you? What's going on? And just before we get started, next week it'll be coming out. We'll either have it on on Monday or we're doing the pod on Monday. It'll be either be out late Monday or early Tuesday. We are going on the Just and the Suffering pod with Mike Phillips down at Iona. So. We will be little doing Monday a rundown as guests. little collab pod, so Pretty that'll cool. be running on his feed as well as ours. Hopefully, uh, he gets some fans, we get some fans, and uh, we have a good time. I'm sure we will. Oh, yeah, man. That's what it's all about. I mean, you know, shout each other out, listen to good content. We're Absolutely. all in it together. So so we're definitely looking forward to that, and we hope everybody so listening to looks sorry forward to that. Sports is going on the road. Looking, hey, man, it was about time we had a road trip, right? Absolutely. It's going to be a good down time. to uh, Iona, so that'll be fun. Cool deal. All right, so let's jump in. Yeah, let's jump into our Monday rundown that we're going to be doing together tonight before next week. And this might be our only pod tonight this week, so we got to get into everything. And it just so happened that a couple of huge stories broke today. Thank God. That today. we're going to get into. And yes, this is a collaborative podcast. So the NFL is going to lead it off. It couldn't stay out of the news for a whole week. Come on, we know that. True couple big storylines, but the first one, we got to talk about it. Kareem Hunt, you mentioned it. He wasn't going to be out of a job for long. It didn't even take one week into the offseason. Kareem Hunt is signed by the Cleveland Browns. Um, terms have not come out from the deal yet. He's going to be facing a suspension. We know that. The speculation is six games, but the NFL always finds a way to fuck it up, so who knows how long it's going to be. Four. I'm, th- I'm feeling four. Yeah. Well, you know, Deflate Gate was four, so he'll get two um, because True. we know deflating a football is obviously worse than or beating taking, a woman. Taking so. performance enhancers. Right. But regardless of our petty, you know, arguments to Goodell, um, he was signed. And I tell you, man, having a special, special talent is a great deodorizer for being a really bad guy and doing something terrible. And. Listen, I don't know if he's the worst human being in the world. I'm sure he's not. But he did something heinous that is reprehensible. And I am a firm believer in second chances. I thought Vic deserved his second chance after he served his time in jail. I think if Ray Rice wasn't averaging 3.3 yards per carry and was averaging 5 yards per carry, he would have gotten a second chance. Kareem Hunt's still an explosive player in the prime of his career. He was going to get another shot. And I'm totally there for second chances. But again... I think it's super tone deaf to be waiting for the season to end and just throw yourselves at a guy like this. And it shows. Listen, it doesn't 
matter, especially in the NFL, what you do. And I just want to say this. I know everybody heard my rant back in November with the Reuben Foster thing. And I don't mean to beat a dead horse. And this isn't up me up on my soapbox. It's not you up on your soapbox saying that we're these angels of people and we're, you know, absolved from any bad doings. But can honestly say beating a woman is as bad as it ever can possibly get. And the fact that Colin Kaepernick can't get a tryout, but Reuben Foster, Kareem Hunt, all on down the line are getting teams to throw themselves at them. So to anybody that wants to tell me that it's about rules and it's about ethics and morals, you need to listen to another podcast because I'm not standing for that. Because I'm telling you right now, this is absolutely ridiculous. And we knew it was going to happen, so it's not even like I'm surprised. It's just a shame. He'll get a second chance, fine. But at least serve a little bit of time. At least give people the belief that you feel like this was a really bad act. Not the week after the Super Bowl to just throw yourself at this guy. You have to have him. Your team's not complete without him. There's no other running back that can do what Kareem Hunt can do. Give me a fucking break. It's ridiculous. It truly is ridiculous. And the NFL, no morals, no standards, no nothing. Completely hypocritical. And it's just, it's appalling to me that he has a job and Colin Kaepernick couldn't even get a tryout. Well put. Couldn't have put it any better myself. And I am a firm believer in um, repentance and, and all those other words where, you know, you learn from your mistakes, basically. It's not even the point, though. At, yeah. this, at this stage in the game, it's not even the point. No, no, not at all. I, I'm just saying from a Kareem Hunt standpoint, more than an NFL culture standpoint, I'm a firm believer in if he makes this mistake again, then clearly, you know, you fool me once kind of thing. But from an NFL standpoint, no, it's heinous. It's ridiculous the fact that Kaepernick was trying to take a stand and do something good. And for all those people who were saying, oh, he was disrespecting the flag, that's your belief and fair enough. There was a lot of people from the military and whatnot that don't feel that way and that they felt that that was a constructive way to protest. But aside from that, why don't you look at all the money that Kaepernick's donated to charity and all the good that he's actually trying to do? The only thing that I will reprimand Colin Kaepernick for is in Miami during after a game. Yeah, the Fidel Castro t-shirt. Fidel Castro t-shirt. And if you know people that are from Cuba in Miami, they are not big fans of Fidel Castro. Yeah, that that was very tone deaf. Tone deaf and probably not the right thing to do when you're trying to lead a movement. But aside from that, he's done nothing wrong. That's nowhere near hitting a woman. No. Um, And I think the problem is more with the culture of the NFL. I don't think this is a Kareem Hunt problem. And don't get me wrong. I think what he did was terrible. But again, I believe in the in the repentance and, and second chances. But just the fact that, you know, like you said, if Ray Rice wasn't out of his prime, and I was saying this to a friend earlier today, if Ray Rice was as good as Kareem Hunt, he would have got signed too. Greg Hardy. I mean, come on. Yeah. And the other thing, and you too, can go up and down the list. I'll take your point, which you made very eloquently. I'm going to take it a step further. I think that's what's wrong with society as a whole, not just the NFL culture, culture holistically. And, and because there is, there is no uniformity when it comes to standards. And this, again, is not me up on my soapbox. This is just an acknowledgement of where we are as a society. It has nothing to do with political affiliation. It has nothing to do with party. It has nothing to do with whom you support. What it has to do with is if you believe that Colin Kaepernick kneeling to a flag is the worst thing and doesn't deserve a job, but you're fine and you're not losing any sleep or having an argument about Kareem Hunt, Greg Hardy, 
and Reuben Foster getting jobs, then I'm sorry, you're part of the problem. And I'm not going to apologize for using our platform to say that because it, it's, it's true. It's absolutely true. And, and look up and down the line. We've had this conversation before. If you're, if you're anti-Kaepernick and you don't like what he did, you better be standing with your hand on your heart every single national anthem. You better not be drinking a beer. You better not be going to the concession stands. And if it's that big of a deal, then concession stands need to close at the national anthem. People in the press box, most of them don't even stand because it's just, you know, another day at the ballpark for them. That's that's so hypocritical. It's ridiculous. And now yeah. you have these and, and now the same you have people this guy writing those articles. Right. And now you have this guy who hits a woman and then you have the hashtag me too movement. And the people are like, Oh my God, these crazy feminists. No, because they see that there's such a double standard. And if you treat Colin Kaepernick, like he's some kind of criminal and you're fine with Kareem hunt getting a job this quickly, it wasn't even three months. That is a systematic issue in society. In the NFL, in the NBA, in the MLB, across all sports, across college campuses, across the country, across the world, that is an issue. And I don't need to say any more. I really wanted to get that out, though. And I'm sorry that I had to take that stand, but it's true. And people need to understand that there are varying levels of what you can agree with, but also how hypocritical you can be when you're looking at these two different things, regardless of the situation, Kareem Hunt is signed by the Cleveland Browns. He's going to serve a suspension for however long that is. What do you expect to see from Kareem Hunt now that we have to talk about him in a football standpoint from the Cleveland Browns? Well, before we say that, let's just say as CEO and COO as you, that is not the culture that we will be creating at sorry sports as we grow. Oh no. Sorry sports and sorry to interrupt podcasts. We're a great pod, obviously, so we will be growing. Um, we won't be hiring people like that here. That's no, a fact. No, absolutely not. Um, let's look at it from the Cleveland Browns standpoint, football standpoint. It's tough to go from something so heavy like that back into sports, but again, this is a sports pod, and we're lucky to be talking sports. Absolutely. Um, and the two intersect, so might as well. I think that, honestly, in today's NFL, it's really important to have two, two really good running backs. You know, the bell, the day of the bell cow back's kind of over. You saw that with Todd Gurley. I mean, what the hell's going on with that, especially when it comes to the Super Bowl? I mean, the Patriots had three solid running backs, and, and they never really have a bell cow back. That's not how they do things. I think that he's going to be – because he's a really good wide receiver as well. If you're looking from a skill set standpoint, he can be a nice difference maker to Carlos Hyde. Or it's not Carlos Hyde, excuse me, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, yeah. Where I kind of raise an eyebrow because I'm from like the, I'm thinking of when I was younger when it was like you had that one bell cow back and then you just had somebody like a relief pitcher to come in and give him a blow. Yeah, or like a third down back, something like that. Yeah, yeah and, and now that's tackles. just not the way it is. And I think both of these guys can make the Pro Bowl next year in that offense. Yeah, I think he's going to help out Baker Mayfield and, and Nick Chubb and that entire offense, you know, Jarvis Landry and the like. I mean, how versatile he is as a player. Um, obviously he's going to make a difference. I don't know how big of a difference because again, to me, even the best running backs, you just saw how insignificant they can be, you know, with Todd Gurley, you know, he was playing at an MVP level, didn't play. And, and, you know, the Rams still got to the Super Bowl and they eventually lost and it wasn't because necessarily of him. So, you know, Saquon won rookie of the year, congrats to Saquon five win team. So I don't know how much of an overall difference he's going to make, but if that offense continues to develop, um, under Freddie Kitchens and 
and now Baker can take that second-year step and avoid a sophomore slump, there's enough talent on that offense where you add a Kareem Hunt and they could be very dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the Cleveland Browns offensively are going to be probably top 10 in the league next year. I would say so. I Listen, really do think at so. At this trajectory, you've got to like their trend. I mean, Baker if they're a really stock, a you're, buying, you're buying. Just based off Baker's decision-making, uh, I mean, you can say that he had a couple boneheaded plays, but every quarterback does. He's a renegade, rookies. too, and I think he's going to always have that. But he's 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 happy to just you know put his head down, go back out there the next series, and throw a dime. Absolutely. So I think it's good from a football standpoint for the Cleveland Browns to put it the best way I possibly can. Yeah, I mean, somebody was going to take somebody was going to take a chance. And again, it's not even about somebody taking a chance. We knew that was going to happen. We both said it when when the Chiefs cut him. It's more just like you can't even wait until February's over to throw yourself at him. Like you just have to have him now and don't Well, that tells let- me that there was teams clamoring. Of course there were, because there's there's no morals or ethics in the NFL. They well, we just you, went over that. They of course, look at you yeah. as, as an asset and they will happily let you, you know, forgive anything that you could do and just, as long as you can run the ball or catch the ball or block or throw the ball. So that's the Kareem Hunt situation. Um, you know, I'm sure in the subsequent months we're gonna find out what kind of um, suspension he ends up getting from the league. Legally, I just want to know what's going on there. Were the charges dropped or... You know what, man? To be honest with you, I'm not 100% sure. And I'm sure regardless of what happens, you know, if there's a court date coming up, we're going to find out when that is and what the ruling is. But, you know, the NFL is its own court. They're going to decide regardless of what the legal system does. We're going to find out what what they allow him to do um, and then go from there. To keep it in the NFL... Kyler Murray made a big statement today. Kyler Murray is no longer a member of the Oakland Athletics or Major League Baseball player development. He is going all in to his goal to become an NFL quarterback. And I guess playing quarterback in the fall for Oklahoma wasn't just a hobby. Winning the Heisman had to give him a taste of, you know what, the only position that matter, that you're going to get paid more of and than being a first-round pick in baseball? Quarterback. quarterback. Exactly. And with this move... And you and I talked, you know, pre-show about what this means. Somebody's telling him, or he knows, just have a good showing at the combine. You're going to be a first-round pick. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, especially when he does a combine. He runs his 40, and he's throwing bombs out there. I think people are going to be salivating over him. I'm still not sold. I'm not either. But, I mean, if somebody tells – clearly somebody that ha- that opinion holds some value aside from Kyler and his family and his agent – um, and probably multiple people said, listen, you're going to be a first-round pick regardless. You're going to get taken in the first round. That's the only reason why I would leave the MLB and some guaranteed money on the table. So clearly somebody knows something, and he's going in the first round. I, if I were to put money on it, he definitely is. I keep looking at the Washington Redskins at 13 as the sp- as a potential landing spot for him. Well, yeah, they got a few years left Alex Smith, but who the hell knows if he's coming back? I don't think Alex Smith's back. ever going to be yeah. playing again. I mean, that he almost lost his legs. So I think that they knew, and even with Alex Smith, I think they were going to be looking to draft their next guy anyway. What a franchise to go to. Oh, God, what a mess that is. And, and so, honestly, I look at that. That seems to be like a perfect landing spot for him. Unless Oakland and Gruden are just out of their minds crazy. Did they use the fourth overall pick on him? Is he the first quarterback taken? Gruden is such a wild card. You don't know. Well, you don't know. Maybe the maybe the Cardinals were serious and they'll trade back. That would be nuts. I mean, if, if they if they think that they can get if they really want Kyler Murray, 
and uh, and Kingsbury, his accolade for him, you know, can convince the GM and, and, and the ownership group to move on from Rosen after a year. That's always a possibility. The NFL draft time makes teams do some really crazy shit. So I don't know. All I know is I don't really like his makeup as a prospect. And the only reason is it's not even his size. You know, he it's one thing to be short. But he's slender. But small. Yeah. Or, or short, but, you know, like bigger. Like Baker. He's short and small. He doesn't have any meat to him. Like Baker is short, but he's not small. He's stocky. Yeah. You know, like Russell Wilson is short, but he's not small. Kyler Murray's short and small. Yeah. And I don't know how that holds up. I don't up. care how much size you put on. That frame is still small. And listen, I, I think anybody can look good in the Big 12. I mean, we saw Brandon Whedon just tear it up at o- uh, Oklahoma State. We've seen, you know, on down the line, quarterbacks just put up prolific numbers in that conference. He played Alabama in the Orange Bowl, and he didn't look good. And that was the first real defense that he faced. Listen, he can make some big plays. He's got a great arm. It looked pretty accurate at times. He can scramble. He can run. I don't know what to take out of anybody from that conference, but I really don't know what to take out of somebody that size who's only played one game against a top defense, didn't look good, and after only starting 13, 12 games, he's going to go pro. I wish him the best of luck. Because even if he has a short career, he's going to probably make more than he did in baseball. But I think one layer about this that needs to be discussed is teams who are looking at him, they have to 100% know that that they're his best spot. Because he can use this baseball bargaining chip for sure. I think if if a team like, let's say the New York Giants – who, God, I hope don't go after him. And it seems like through all the mock drafts I'm looking at, they're, they're honed in on Haskins, which you know I'm a big proponent of. But Eli Manning's going to start at least next year. I don't know if he'll finish the season, but he's going to start. Does Kyler Murray want to sit? Or does he want to go in and start? And he could use that as a bargaining chip and say, listen, I don't want to sit. I'll go play baseball right now if you if you draft me. Right now. Yeah. It's just so funny. You said it like <laughs> yeah. you were saying it to your parents. Uh, yeah, I'll go right fucking now. <laughs> so so who knows? I mean, that is something he could do. I mean, he's got arrogance to him, which which probably helps him at his size and, and makes him believe that he's as good as he is. And I got to tell you, he surprised me this year. I thought he was going to be good because all reports were that he was a very good football player. But I was expecting it to just be a fun thing until he went pro in baseball. Not not necessarily. So we're going to find out. What do you make of him as a possible prospect? Um, I, I'm kind of in lockstep with you the more I watch highlight tapes and whatnot. I, I'm really worried about the size. I mean, it, it just it just makes me nervous. It's like the same thing as Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson's tall. He's like a small version of him, more accurate, better, yes. better thrower of the football at this point in his career, both of their careers. But... I mean, when he gets hit, you kind of just are, and you're not getting hit that much in the Big 12 regardless, but when he gets hit, you're just like, is he going to get back up? Yeah. Where you see Baker get hit, and he just bounces right back up because he's like a little bowling ball out yeah, there. Yeah, Wilson so. was the same way, yeah. yeah. And people are drawing comparisons to here and there. I don't see, I mean, I, I compared him on the pod weeks ago to Russell Wilson, but that was a stretch in itself, and I was saying that then. I mean, Russell Wilson's so much 
bulkier. I, I just don't know. I mean, it makes me nervous. That's all. Yeah, I totally agree with you, man. And, and people got to remember, I mean, yeah, you have your Baker Mayfields and you have your Russell Wilsons, but people got to remember, those are the outliers. Those those are not the norm. Those are the exceptions. Yeah, if you're norm. building a quarterback in a lab, I mean, as great as as Russell Wilson is and as great as Baker can be, you're not putting together them. You're, you're making the guy 6'4". Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm not necessarily sure. Um, I know he's going to probably have a really good combine and, and pro days. I don't pay attention to because who's ever had a bad pro day and then it's up to one gm to say we're going to take a chance on this yeah, guy and you know what if you look at this draft and you see what all the experts are talking about this is a really good year for him because quarterback talents kind of uh, on the slim pickings and, and the top five guys on everybody's big board and this is good for my jets are pass rushers yeah it's like it's insane. Like uh, the top, this like, is an, top five picks should all be. This is an offensive line and defensive line slash rush rush edger, um, edge rusher. Wow, edge rusher draft dream. They are so loaded in this draft. All the way, not only in the early in the first, all the way through the first and into the middle rounds. Like there are stockpiles of players all over that defensive line and offensive line that yeah. are going to help and if, teams. If the Jets can get themselves. An offensive lineman, a serviceable tight end, and a premium pass rusher in this draft, pants are coming off. And listen. Pants are coming off. And if I hear any of this talk about training Leonard Williams, and I don't know if that was just an article that kind of flashed on my Bleacher Report, like some guy was just trying to make some noise, some asshole that I want to fight now, or, (laughs) or it was actually kind of a thing, get it out of here right now. Yeah, well. This guy is not. This guy is not Sheldon Williams. He's not Mo Wilkerson. He didn't take a deal and then, you know, sit back and rest on his laurels. This guy's this guy's a worker. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I think too, this might be an opportunity for a team like the Jets or the Raiders or the 49ers. Unless you're not unless you're getting Nick Bosa, who looks like he's a sure thing to go to the Arizona Cardinals at one. This might be the draft that you used to trade back if a team is jumping for a quarterback. Could be. Because you're going to have that ability. You know, say a team like Jacksonville at seven believes they have to jump to get Haskins if they want it, if they want Haskins or they want Murray so fast and the Giants are laying in the weeds. They might go to the Jets at four, and or at three rather, and say, listen, we'll give you our pick, another first and a second, and the Jets now all of a sudden are drafting sixth somewhere else, and then they have two, and now they have a second round pick, and they can address those areas of need. Maybe you're not going to get Josh Allen, the edge rusher out of Kentucky, but you're going to get the next best one. Yeah, and and you're going to accumulate assets and accumulate picks on a team that is that needs a lot. So, if I were the Jets, the Raiders, the Niners, all those teams, I would say. I'm, we're open for business. Accumulate picks because if we need defense, we need offensive line. There are plenty of options. You even got your corners like a Greedy Williams, the corner out of LSU. You've got your linebackers like White out of LSU. Up and down the line, there are a lot of areas to choose from on a very defensive and offensive line rich draft class. I got to ask you before we move on, because I was thinking about it, and and I know you said you didn't want to. Mm-hmm. How do you feel, just because next year it really looks like the quarterback class is going to be so stacked with Fromm coming out, Lawrence coming out, a few others. 
How do you feel about the Giants holding off one more year? Hate it. Hate it? Hate it. Okay. Hate it, hate it, hate it. And the reason being is, is first of all, you're not guaranteed. You can't tank in football. True. Football's not a sport that you tank. Um, also, if you're going to sacrifice another year of sucking, then why the hell did you take Saquon Barkley, number two overall, who's a win-now player? And why did you sign Odell Beckham to a five-year contract extension? That's a win-now player move. No, 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 no. You lucked into, and I use lucked in quotation marks, the sixth overall pick this year on a team that was expected and everybody in the Giants war room expected to be a playoff team. You don't have enough. You, you are in a position now where you can take a quarterback and every draft class is different. You know, this past this year, 2018, that was supposed to be the best draft class and quarterbacks in a long time. Some people were saying since 83 or since 2004, we don't know about any of these guys yet. Baker had a really good first year. We'll see what he does. You know, we saw Darnold show some really good flashes being the youngest starting quarterback ever, but he also showed a couple reasons why people started to sour on him late in his USC career. We saw Josh Rosen not do a whole lot. That Arizona team sucks. And Josh Allen was hit or miss, either really good or really bad in his games in Buffalo. We don't know how Lamar that... Jackson? Cl- Lamar Jackson was kind of that second tier you know they weren't he wasn't one of the real four that people were talking about so Dwayne Haskins is a really nice prospect you 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 don't necessarily need a quarterback rich draft now I will tell you out of any draft Tua Tagovailoa is the best coming out next year and then the year after that you have Trevor Lawrence but this is a team that has made win now decisions and you can't continue to put that off now if Eli goes out there but you have your heir apparent I feel good about whatever they do next year if they don't have the heir apparent, I don't feel good about that because there's no guarantee. And then you're looking at teams like the Dolphins and the Bengals who might get rid of their Andy Dalton's or Ryan Tannehill's this year, stink with backup quarterbacks to be drafting in the top three who will never trade their picks. And now from Herbert and Tua are off the board. So you never plan for next year. You don't know what that's going to bring. You made win now decisions. If Haskins is your guy or Drew Locke is your guy, or Aaron Jones is your guy, whomever, go get him right now and develop that next quarterback so you're not searching for the next 10 years to your final for, to your next chance. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I was in agreement with you there, but I, I know this season the Giants have not played football for about two months now, so I wanted to see the status. I want to check the status. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm all in on Haskins, even if they have to trade up for him. If he's your guy then do it because no other draft picks matter. You can have the best overall team like probably the Cowboys and Jaguars have had, and they don't win because they don't have a quarterback. Well, the that's Jets gonna... have the third pick? Yeah. Ooh, maybe the maybe the Jets get the Giants again. Maybe That'd be nice. Maybe well, they steal from the Giants again. Well, they didn't steal from the Giants. Oh, he stole Darnold. No, you didn't. The Giants didn't take him. Yeah, well, that was their to... own stupid-ass yeah, fault. Yeah, but that's not stealing. The Giants had the chance to take him. Feels and didn't. like it. Well, that's it's still wrong. <laughs> anyway, um, you got Darnold, and you got to hope he's great because we don't know yet. We already know Shake's great, but yeah, Shake the Tom the Tom Vucino specialized nickname. Welcome Shake. on anytime, and I'll call him Shake to his face. I'm R- sure he'd like offensive it. rookie of the year. All right, uh, so let's move on down the line. We got the NFL out of the way. It never sleeps, man. It never sleeps. So. Let's go into the NBA because from the last time we talked, which was last Wednesday, we were about 15, 16 hours removed from about to have the NBA trade deadline. 
And it led up to a couple of big moves that I think are going to shift the landscape of the league. So what stood out to you as the uh, deadline expired last Thursday at 3? You want to talk about deals that happened or the deal that didn't happen? Let's talk about both. All right, so I'm going to lead it off with the deal that didn't happen because implications on playoffs, I don't think this really has an effect because the Lakers don't look too hot and the Pelicans are not a playoff team. But talk about egg on your face. This is more implications on the league. LeBron looks like shit. Clutch Sports looks like shit. The Lakers look like shit. Anthony Davis looks like shit. And the Pelicans come out smelling like roses right now. Del Demps is a a very smart man. And I'm going to let you finish up, but I'm going to tell you this. It's for once. Everybody on this podcast or listens to this podcast knows that I'm a big fan of spite. And if the reports are true, Deadspin came out with it, that Del Demps leaked all the names of the Lakers players that Magic Johnson offered with absolutely no intention of doing a trade, simply just to get that out in the air and piss them all off and get them all mad at LeBron. And if that's true, he is my new favorite general manager in all of sports. More than Cashman, GM dad over here? Yes, that's that's awesome. That is so awesome. Because that if is. you're a small market team and you're being fleeced and all of a sudden your franchise guy, which you knew was coming, doesn't want to stay there anymore to no fault of your own. You can't say the Pelicans haven't tried to win or surround him with talent. They've made moves in the short term and long term to, to keep him there and to, and to make him happy. Then you have the clutch sports signing and he wants to go to the Lakers and it's all this Lakers, this Lakers, that, and we'll trade you, you know, ball Ingram, Hart, and Kuzma two firsts and two seconds for him. We don't care. We're going to just, and the arrogance around the Lakers and the league to just say, this is happening. This is happening. This is going to happen. Not so fast as Lee Corso likes to say. And and it didn't happen, and now he may have Dell Demps may have gotten them to have a mutiny because those sure looked like watching that 76ers Lakers game yesterday that there was a mutiny. They don't like each other. LeBron didn't get his way for the first time in his career, and that's just a beautiful thing. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but go ahead. That was great. No, I really appreciate that, and and I'm in standing ovation for Dell Demps. Great job by him being a spiteful guy. And the other spiteful guy that I like is Danny Ainge because he floats out some bullshit that Jason Tatum's on the board just to basically prevent the Lakers from from the Pelicans from taking that Lakers offer and the Lakers from getting AD. And then he can go back in the summer and be like, he was never on the table. Just to hold him back and be like, but let's talk business. And I think that was spiteful as hell too. And that's just the type of player Danny Ainge was back in the day. And I just love that gamesmanship where it's just like, you're going to float out Jason Tatum because, I mean, he's probably trade value-wise like a top five guy in the league with contract, talent level, and age. And then you're just going to pull him right back. Just just let just let him salivate a little he's bit. He's playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. Exactly. Exactly. So this is bad for everybody in, involved but the Pelicans. Yeah, and, and listen, the Pelicans... And the are, Lakers. Right, and the Pelicans are going to move them. And, and the Knicks. Yeah, and listen, I think if you're the Knicks, you're very happy with this um, because you know you still have a chance depending on you know how the ping pong balls fall on, on lottery night. But Well, now you know, come the off season, it's going to be like... It's just going to be a bidding war. There's going to be meetings all the time, Woj bombs here and there, this is what they offered, and... 
you know, the Knicks are going to be involved. I, I guarantee it. Oh, and yeah. I'm no going to get my heart broken because he's going to go to the Celtics and they're going to make, you know. Listen, Kyrie's... as long as they're a conversation and they put themselves, if they don't get the number one overall pick, I don't think it's going to happen. But you have a 14% chance at it, so you'll see. To be honest with you, man, and I, I listened to our pod, obviously, last time, and I said this. I don't think I would trade the number one pick in the rights to Zion for Anthony Davis. I don't think. I know for a fact I wouldn't trade it now. After watching more Zion, I would rather that block he had on that, and I would just rather Zion. You got to treat it like a quarterback at this point. They went the the reason why the Rams went to the playoff went to the Super Bowl this year, although they didn't win. That was more on coaching, was because they got Jared Goff on a rookie deal, and they could basically spend their version of max contracts on other players. Yeah, but if you have Zion on a rookie deal, who's clearly way more than NBA ready. I mean, this guy is the most sure thing since Anthony Davis himself. Um, Then you can go out and sign two max contracts. Knock on wood, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Here's what I'll say. The Knicks have to be not concerned with building a dynasty. They have to be concerned with winning a championship one. And as great as Zion, as you and I both believe he's going to be, he is a sure thing. But he's not Anthony Davis when he steps onto the court game one of next year. He's not. And if you have Anthony Davis one year in New York with a Kevin Durant, with a Kyrie Irving, I think you would rather have that than Zion no, Williamson. I, I will die on the I want Zion. Then you know over. what I love? You're just continuing to prove my point that Anthony Davis is not a top one player. If no, you're not going to trade I, a number one unsure draft pick for a top one player. He's a top one player that can... I'm looking for sustained success, all right? I'm one of the only Knicks... Why don't you just focus on a year of success? No, listen. I am looking for sustained success and cat maneuverability. And I'm also looking at Anthony Davis's injury history. Oh. When he's on the court, he's great. And all that stuff makes me nervous. All of which I have been making the point this entire time. But when he's on the court, I think he's a top one talent. And you can't disagree with me on that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if you wouldn't trade... Zion Williamson's I'm pick. in love with Zion. I know I you it. are. But I said it, it. But then that just further says, because if Anthony Davis is as great, as great as you have proclaimed him to be, there is no way that you would take a player who, if he steps on the court next year, right, is not as good how as Anthony this? Name, Davis. Name players, and I will tell you if I'll trade the rights to them for Zion. Go ahead. Name a few. LeBron James. No. Kevin Durant. No. Steph Curry. No. How about... Let's go on. How about Porzingis? No. Okay. Let's go Carl Anthony Towns. No. Okay. So there's five right there. Okay. And I'm not a Kawhi Leonard. No. All right. Kyrie Irving. No. Jesus, dude. Keep going. I'm not going to do this. We'll we'll get to a yes. We'll get to one yes. I got one yes in my head. Can you name him? This is terrible radio. Can you Damian name him? Damian Lillard. I don't know. You're going lower. No. Luka Doncic. That's oh, Luka. Okay. And my reasoning for this, and this is why it'll make sense to you now, is because Luka Doncic is on a rookie contract. Clearly, he's a transcendent player. All those other players are locked into massive deals, and some of them can walk away. That's That's fine. my reasoning. No, that's not fine, Sean. I want somebody locked in. I want somebody to be a Nick for a long well, time. Well, you're going to have that is the my chance reasoning. to make Kyrie and KD long term. But I don't know. And with they these will always deals. and they will always be relevant whether AD leaves or not. Listen, 
I'm not going to go down and light, and I'm not going to become an arson and burn the, the garden to the ground if they trade Zion for AD. But if you're asking me my personal opinion, which is what we're doing right now, I would rather Zion over anyone in the league aside from Luka Doncic. That's crazy. That is not crazy. That's absolutely nuts. Guy hasn't played a game in the NBA. Factoring in everything. Factoring in every little thing, I think I would rather him than pretty much everybody in the league. All right, fine. We're not going to agree on this, but I, I I would want Anthony Davis I'm on gonna, my team. I'm going to keep this pop if I'm the tucked Knicks. away. No, I, I will be ecstatic if they get him and if they trade Zion for him. But there'll be that little part of me that says, next year we fast forward to next year if this magical thing ever happens and Zion's by far a front runner for rookie of the year, makes an all-star team, does the dunk contest. Great. I'm going to be saying, I was right. And... That little part of me is going to be like, damn, we could have had him for five years. Yep, but you know what? You're still going to have KD. You're still going to have Kyrie under this great hypothetical. And maybe Davis is like, you know what? This is great. And the Knicks, you know, decide they don't want to pay Knox. And they'll pay and they'll pay him. Absolutely. And that's a nice consolation prize for me. But A consolation prize Zion, is a guy who's a top honestly, one player. I'm going to put league. it on wax right now. Taking into account Anthony Davis's current injuries... Yeah, Zion is the most because sure you know thing who gets hurt a lot. LeBron James, big men, big men get hurt a lot. That's why he's not a top one player, and that's why he's never going to be the best player on a championship team. Because number one, big guys get hurt all the time. So I see my your point, point has that. been made over and over again, and I I'm just playing devil. You. But you, you literally just made a case about why you would rather have Zion Williamson than Anthony Davis it's, when you said Anthony Davis is a top-tier player. He is a top-tier player, and I think he can be the best player on a championship team if it's built well around him like every other championship team. I would just rather Zion because I think he can stay healthier. And I'm, uh, he's I'm a just big boy too. Him. Just letting you know. Well, he's six eight. He's not seven two like Anthony Davis. And Anthony he can't Davis shoot is also, like Anthony Davis. Well, have you seen him shoot at Duke? Yeah, he doesn't have he doesn't have the range that that Davis had when he came out of Kentucky. Not even close. He didn't even shoot. He didn't even shoot at Kentucky. Sure he was he an did. inside player. No, he could shoot threes. He stepped out when he played at Kentucky. I didn't. Because you want to know why? Calipari doesn't let the big men step out. No, Look no, at no. Carl Anthony Towns. No, no. He wasn't He wasn't a three-point specialist, but he could shoot. You saw flashes of him at Kentucky. Absolutely. And there's flashes of Zion. He's banging threes left and right. No, he is not. not He's not dribbling a, into threes off the dribble and off the catch if you watch Duke games all the time. Not to the same level that He's, Davis did at Kentucky, dude. Not at all. Bro. And I listen, may, I love Zion. Zion's going to be incredible. I'm just saying that if you want to talk about Anthony Davis being a top one player and you wouldn't even take him over Zion Williamson who hasn't played a game. And I understand your big picture thing, and that's fine. But if you have KD and this? Kyrie already there, I will you're always it. going to be great. I will rephrase <laughs> it. I don't want to take the possibility of one year of Anthony Davis, the possibility. But he said he'd sign an extension there. Over the sure thing of Zion Williamson for five years. You don't think that if K- if if Anthony Davis, who already has the Knicks on his list as a team that's an abomination to the league, if, if they get Kyrie and KD, you don't think he's going to stay there? I don't know. How can you sign me three max players? You can't. But you're. But what if they? What if they literally don't sign anybody else and they have first rounders 
what if they trade that right, right? And you have Anthony Davis. They have some other picks. You got some nice other pieces like a Mitchell Robinson or something like that. Some of those guys won't get dealt in this hypothetical Anthony Davis deal. And you have you have you have Durant, Kyrie, and Davis. And even if Davis leaves, you maybe win a championship. Your first since 1973. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. I'm Why sure- about the rest later? I'm sure when they win the championship, I'll come on this pod and say I'm glad they did that trade. But I will yeah. finally, Listen. I will after saying that, I will say, but I wish we had Zion right now. Yep. Well, you know what? Let's as Yankee fans, let's go on down the line of people we wish the Yankees kept, but they got a World Series out of some of those guys and said, you know what? That's what it's about, winning. And for a Nick fan that has been so starved of even, you know, average play, I think that if you have a three, even if it's for one year. Because the Warriors walked into that with Durant. They didn't know he was going to stay for three years. And they know that he might leave this time. And they still went and got Boogie Cousins. And they, you know, they're going to let it go. But they're still going to have Steph. They're probably going to re-sign Clay. They're going to always be a destination. They're always going to be good. If you get KD and Kyrie and Davis for one year, whether you win or lose, let Zion do what he does. If you win, that's all that matters. Anyway... Totally. Thank you for making my point continually about Anthony Davis. Oh, um, stop. He's the, so top one talent in my book. And yet you would trade him for a guy that hasn't played a game in the NBA. Um, the Bucks got Nikola Miritich. What'd you think of this deal? Massive. The way the Bucks play is Giannis is their ball handler and their center. So a guy that can play okay, probably not great, but okay defense, rebound. He isn't scared to be in the moment. He's been in playoff games before and knock down a three and give you a random 30-point game here and there, you need that. He can win them a, a, a playoff game. Because yep. he can play in the fourth quarter and give them that other dimension of a guy who can shoot. I think he shoots like 38% from three. And he's not a prolific three-point shooter, but when he gets hot, he doesn't miss. He can knock it down. And he really played well for them when Cousins went down last year, for the Pelicans that was. And mm-hmm. this was a huge move. The rich got richer. I thought he made more sense for a team like Toronto. But the fact that the fact that the Bucks got him, and now they can maybe don't have to rely on Brooke Lopez as much because d- despite the fact that Lopez is a three point specialist now, I can't believe I'm saying that after watching his career with the Nets, he is a real minus defensively. So now you have Miritich in there to play with to play with Giannis. I mean, that's a good. That's a really good. I team. worry about Miritich on defense, but listen, you'll you'll figure that out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, why don't we move on to the next deal, and that is Marcus Saul to the Toronto Raptors. How do you feel about that? You know, I'm not 100% sure how much better they are. He was playing like an all-star to start the season, and he picked it up a little bit, but his three-point shooting has gone down a little bit as the year has gone. He's been injury-prone. He's a big guy. He clogs up. I'll tell you this. He's going to help them rebound a lot more than Valanciunas. Good he's defensive gonna score, And he's going to play better defense than Valanciunas, but... I don't know how much better the Raptors got. I thought that if the Raptors got Miritich, it would have been meant more. I think Gasol made sense. How about you? I think Gasol's he can knock down the three. I think he's shooting around 30% right now. So for a big man, that's good. He can also play with his back to the basket, and the basketball IQ is there. He's one of the smartest players in the league, yeah, one of the is. best passers. So I think that I think it was a good move for them, and they really didn't give up too, too much to get him. I think they gave up like Valanchunas, another uh, Valanchunas, right? I, I don't know how to pronounce his first name, and two second round picks. 
Yeah, that's not a lot. None of those guys were part of your future, so I think it's kind of a steal for the Raptors in that sense. I thought they were going to get Conley, too, and if they could have done that, this deal would have been a slam dunk to Well, me you would have to throw Lowry into that. Which fine. Is like, Conley's a better player than Lowry is right now. You think so? Yeah, I do. I think Lowry can get hot, and he's got that moxie, but... Mike Conley as a point guard is better than Kyle Lowry at this point. Yeah, and the reason for me that I think the Raptors made a good trade was just the amount that they got for it. Because comparing it to if you go and look at the Tobias Harris trade, which you and I loved, but then it was right as right as it happened, so we didn't see exactly what they what the um what the seventy sixers gave up. Now looking back at it, I really I mean I love the player and I think the team will get a lot better, although the bench is a little slim. But what they gave up for him for a, basically a lease, because you don't know if you're going to be able to re-sign him. You don't know if he's going to want to be the fourth option when he can go to Brooklyn or or New York if they don't get anybody, the Knicks if they don't get anybody, or whoever, and be the second option or the first in some cases. You gave up an unprotected Miami pick. Miami looks like they're on the downtrend as opposed to the up. Yep. Um, and you gave up your own first-round pick. Two first, Shamet and I don't know, something else. I don't remember. Oh, Wilson Chandler? Yeah. That's a that lot. That was just to make the money work. No, absolutely. But, I mean, Shemet's a great player off the bench, and he can bang a three. But the picks are what's absolutely crazy. That Miami pick can be a top five pick. Well, now you you know why You know a lot of people at first were, were killing the Clippers for not getting players. That wasn't their goal. Their, their goal was to get rid of cap. Why do you want to get players? You guys, yeah. I mean, they're falling out of the playoff race. They were a fun story at they're the beginning gonna of the year. They're going to have a litany of picks. I was I was dumb enough to say I think they're going to make the playoffs but Dude, now they're in the playoffs right now they are literally in the playoff seating but they they know they're not going to win and they want to position themselves for free agency and they want to have as many picks as they can so that's what they accomplished for the 76ers they played two games with Tobias Harris so far and let me tell you that team looks unstoppable from a starting five and they're going to use the buyout market so yeah. I expect them to get a couple of guys to help them out. No, and I think for this year, and we said it on the pod. La- we said it on the pod um, last week. Great move. I think the guy can knock down a three. He doesn't have to have the ball on his hands all the time. There's a lot of ball dominant players. I just didn't like the amount that they gave up. No, That's all. and and they did it because they're that hoping pick, to resign him. That heat pick really scares me. Yeah, but you know what? I gotta tell you, and we'll we'll go down on down the line here. I, I'm just gonna say this. I don't really know how great the quote-unquote process was. Because if you look at the amount of top three or four overall picks that the 76ers had, they only hit on two. Now, those two were really good. Absolutely. And they're transcendent players. But if you tell me that you're going to fucking suck for five years and get all of these draft picks and get all these top three picks and lottery picks, and and you're only going to hit with two, no matter how good they are. And Simmons is a nice deodorant for that. It is, but still, like, you've got to be saying stuff like that. They should be better than that. They really should have been better than that. Well, yeah, I mean, use a pick on Jaleel Okafor, Nerlens Noel. I don't know if Michael Carter-Williams was pre-process. No, he was the first of the process. Um, I know he won Rookie of the Year, but he's clearly bounced around quite a bit after after that, but yeah, not a great job by and that you know, GM. No, and you know what the next one was? Markel Fultz. And he yep. didn't even make 18 months. They traded him to the Orlando Magic. Now they did get Jonathan Simmons and they got I think a first and a second or two firsts and a second. If that was the case, then they made up for some of that that the that they gave to the Clippers. I thought they got Jonathan Simmons in two seconds. No, they got a first for sure. Okay. They definitely got a first. 
Um, that doesn't another, make up, that doesn't make up for a one, one overall pick. pick that should have been Jason Tatum. You now just traded him for another pick, like, and it's not going to be a top three or number one overall pick. To me, I like Jonathan. Was I like Jonathan Simmons as a player. He was great on the Spurs, especially when Kawhi was out. Yeah. Um, comped a lot to Kawhi, obviously not the talent level, but he can play like Kawhi. He can play really good defense and he can, he can get you 20 points in a quarter every once in a while, raise some eyebrows off the bench. I think he'll be great for the Sixers, but talking about like the overall picture and the haul that they got, if you want to call it that, no, you, you can't be giving up a number one pick for that. Looking at Markel Fultz. I mean, the, the Orlando magic have been hungry for a point guard for a very long time. And I think this team, although I picked them to go to the playoffs, I don't think they're anywhere near it. They might be no, floating around yeah. the 10 seed or whatever. But, I mean, I think this is a good fresh start for him. No, I think this is a perfect place for him. The The pressure is not going to be there. He can develop. He can kind of just get his mind right and get that shoulder right. And I, I would expect – I don't know if he'll ever live up to the number one overall pick, and my, my bet would be not. But he could turn into a really nice player, and a guy in two years would be like, oh, right, he's still super young. So I think Orlando is a good destination for him. I'm happy for him. It was right for Philadelphia to just move on from that. He was never going to be the player you expected him to be in Philadelphia and to just move off of that. But, again, another part of the quote-unquote process that they really botched. Yeah, you can't put it any other way than that. They – they don't look as bad as they should just because Embiid is such a monster when he's healthy. And Simmons is so such a transcendent point guard for his yeah. size and what he can do. Yeah. Absolutely, but yeah, process did not uh did not bear the fruits of the labor too well there. Final deal I want to talk about, man. What do you think of Harrison Barnes uh going to Sacramento? I thought it was a good move for both sides. Um clearly I, I it, the more that the more that things came down, uh, doesn't look like Porzingis is going to play this year, and they're going to go for the tank, which I can't blame the Mavericks for. I mean, could you imagine if they had Zion, dare I say it, and Luca, and Porzingis? Oh my God, those yeah. are all guys. Even that are if they be... could get an RJ Barrett or something to play with Luca, I mean, come on, like those, like Luca's locked up for four more years after this. That game he had yesterday, Zion by will the be way, locked beating up for the Blazers. Five. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Zion will be locked up for five, and you got Porzingis for three to four as long as he can sign that deal, which you know he's going to do. That's a young core that I like. Oh, how could you not? Yeah. yeah. So I, they're positioning themselves well anyway. Yeah, and, and Sacramento's going for it. And listen, I applaud that team because they could be complacent and, and just happy with what they've done so far. But they, that team hasn't been in the playoffs since like 2004. So they really are have a spot. And I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I told you, the mirror image of the Kings in the East is my Nets. And it doesn't matter how far you go. But you've got to give your young core, in that case, your De'Aaron Fox and your Buddy Heald and your Marvin, Marvin Bagley, Bagley, a little taste of the postseason. Play them some important games down the stretch. Get them into a series. See what Bagley's it's like to win. Great too. And you get Barnes, who's a former, you know, champion in, in in Golden State. So I think, in all indications, Dallas was really sad. You know, a lot of the players on that team was sad to see him go because he meant a lot to that team. Seems so like, seems like a good guy and good a good guy teammate. and a good teammate and a, and a really still productive player. So I, I applaud the Kings. They did a couple of things at this deadline that that really helped them improve and give them guys, you know, a little bit of taste of what it's like to play in the postseason. So I, I applaud them. It was a fun trade deadline. Yeah, definitely. So why don't we move on to some college basketball? We will start off with the 
biggest uh, conference that everybody's talking about, and that is the ACC. Duke beats number three Virginia for the second time this year, so I believe they complete the sweep and they win by ten. Yeah, they'll meet again in the ACC championship. Well, yeah, I'm sure. I meant regular season. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, this was even more convincing than that first one. Duke won at Cameron Indoor by three. They really beat up on Virginia, and Virginia is such a good team. Like I didn't watch this game and think less of Virginia. I just watched this game and say that was actually probably the best game Duke's played all year. And I'm not going to count the Kentucky game, the first game of the year when they beat them by 105 points. Like that was a neutral court game. Both teams, you know, were just you know how Kentucky plays when they have all their freshmen out there, you know, for the first time. But this was an a road game in the middle of conference play. Second weekend of February against a top four team, and Duke really put an exclamation point on how good they can be if they play this level. If they play to that level, no one in the country can beat them. How'd Zion play? He was phenomenal. Were you trying to tell me that I don't think Zion's great? Don't you ever try to spin that. Zion's going to be incredible. That th- he's not Anthony Davis right now, and that's a ludicrous statement if you think he is. No, I don't. But okay. That's I like my Zion point. for five years. Fine. That's great. I love Zion. He's going to be incredible. What more do you want me to say? He's <laughs> not Anthony Davis right now, who you've been clamoring about for the last two weeks on this podcast. You're right. I wouldn't mind him on the Knicks. But... Oh, again, you wouldn't mind him. We're not having this conversation again, but don't you try to don't try to put words in my mouth. Zion was incredible. He played like the number one overall pick and the best draft prospect since Anthony Davis uh, and LeBron James. Since LeBron. Okay. That's me talking. You did say Anthony Davis before. So. I did, and I've elevated him after watching that game. And I will be on the. I'm standing on this mountain, and I just want to be on the right side of history. So, what are you going to say that like because I would rather have Anthony Davis next year that I'm wrong? About I'm going to say when we have ten, when we have you know seventy employees at Sorry Sports four years from now, and Zion is being talked about as possibly if he keeps this up, he's going to be right up there with Michael Jordan and LeBron James. I'm going to be the one who says, Hey, remember when you said that Anthony Davis was just as good as him? Remember when you said that, Oh, would you take Damian Lillard over him? Hey, remember that? Oh yeah, I was right. I was on the right side of history. Sean, you're fired. I said next year. You're fired. I said next year. You don't even remember what our conversation was. No, I said I didn't. next year. And next year, of course, Davis is going to be better, and we're still harping on this. But you I'm, brought it up again. I'm looking, but because <laughs> you, you're not you understanding me. You asked me to tell you you're how hey, how Zion play. He was fantastic. He you're played like under- a number one overall. You're pick. not understanding my point. I'm not talking about next year. Of course, I want Anthony Davis for next year. I'm talking about forever. Okay, but, okay, both, but yeah, both, exactly. both are going to be great players, and you're you're banking on a guy that hasn't played in the league yet. I'm not if Anthony Davis was 34, I'd be like, yeah, I'm getting my ducks in a row, and I want to be one of the first people, just like Luka Doncic, and clearly that's looking to pan out pretty well. And a I lot think of you people. Were on that, I, was, I think you were I was, on that train. I, I as said well. he should have been drafted number one overall. I just want to be on the right side of history, and that's I'm fine. saying it earlier than anybody else. But you're, but you're, Zion Williamson will be the best player in the NBA come like 2027. First of all, you're not the only person saying that, and he should be better than that by 2027. He should be that by 2023. Okay, it's 2019 right now. His first, I don't know. I gave him a couple more years. Three years into his into his into his prime into his rookie deal. LeBron James was a top two player in the league. I think, okay, fine. Three years in his deal, I think Zion will be first team All-NBA. Will he be better than Luka Doncic? Oh. Oh. 
you're cold. Different, <laughs> different type of player. Okay, different type of player. All right, let's move on to the next one, and that is UNC. Real quick, I just want to finish up on Duke. If they play like that, there's no one who can beat them. I don't know how sustainable that is, but that was their first huge road test. They haven't played North Carolina yet at either site, but to go into Charlottesville and win that convincingly against a really good team, that was their first real road test in conference play, and they aced it. I'm not getting sucked into this whole Duke's going to win the national championship thing. I do it every year, and I'm not getting sucked in this early. I'm being smart about it this year. I like Duke. They look great. But they're a bunch of freshmen. Yeah. I'm not getting sucked They've in. They've played some games that they haven't looked great. I'm just saying if they played at this level, no one can beat them. No, not at all. Let's just see if they can, of course. Right. All right. So let's move on to UNC. And it looks like they beat Miami and NC State. Held Teams on you to should Miami. Beat. Yeah. yeah, held on. And, that, and they're at Louisville uh, tonight. Or they're hosting Louisville tonight. So we'll see how that game goes. Number Actually, no, they're hosting Virginia. I'm sorry. Virginia Virginia's going into Chapel Hill tonight. So that's gonna be that's gonna be a big time test because those you're looking at that second tier of the ACC and can Virginia rebound after that loss to Duke? Yeah, absolutely. So number what was it? Number eleven, Virginia Tech loses twice to Louisville and Clemson. Louisville's fine. They were fourteenth. Clemson's that's not a good loss. No, you can't you can't be doing that. And I'm sure they moved down on the standings as of today. Yeah, especially losing twice. I mean Louisville's a fine loss, but Clemson's not. And they fell down to number twenty two. Yeah, that makes sense. Listen, we we've seen it the last time we've done the rankings. You know, if you lose twice in a week, you especially one of those being to an unranked team, you're not gonna last that much longer where you are. You're gonna fall, you know, at least seven, eight spots. So they fell, you know, eleven spots. So into the SEC, Tennessee remained number one, and Kentucky's rolling at number five. Yeah, that's all you really got to say. Those two teams are, Jesus. I mean, the the top-heavy talent level in the ACC and the SEC is unlike any other conference. Yeah. And each team has two teams in the top five. Uh, no, absolutely. It's, incre- it's crazy top-heavy the way it is this year. But let's move on to the Big Ten, and before we jump into the games, finally the world is back on its axis. Michigan State is finally out of the top 25. About goddamn time. Absolutely. I don't know why we hate that team so much. We because they don't they should never they shouldn't be, you know, applauded the way that they are for being an above average team and nothing more for the last 20 years. Kansas still sitting at number 14. I know that's Big 12, but Yeah, I mean if I'm looking at Kansas, there that's a team that Again, I don't care what they do in the regular season. They'll play great into March. They're going to get a top three seed, and they're going to be just fine. I like Bill Self. How could you not? How could you not? That's Absolutely. A, that's a, he's a great coach. Everybody across college basketball says he's a great coach. By the way, right now, the NCAA released their top 16 seeds over the weekend. Oh, Kansas is now? a number three seed. They have them out of the West region. So we're not surprised, and they might even move up to two if they win yet another Big 12. So Michigan gets revenge on Wisconsin, and they win by 9.6152. Good game for Michigan. They move up to number six and jump Nevada in the standings. Aside from that, we got the Big 12. They stayed pretty much the same. We already mentioned Kansas. Um, Texas Tech still in the top 25 as well. Let's move on to the Big East. So... They have one of the top scores. Marquette does. I forgot his name, but he is electric, and he'll be one of the one of the top ten picks most likely if he comes out this year. Number ten, Marquette 
stays alive. I don't know where they are in the rankings, but they beat... They actually stayed at number 10, and I think the reason for that after their loss to St. John's is that they beat Villanova by one point, and Villanova's at actually at 13. So I guess Villanova showed something by staying within one point. Yeah, I mean, they were Marquette's uh, heavier favorite. They were at 10. Villanova was 14. They moved up. The game was at Marquette. 66-65. Listen, that's a tough knockdown drag out fight in the Big East. That's a classic basketball game at this point in the season. You can't really penalize Villanova for that. They didn't lose by 13 or 14. Marquette didn't show that they were tremendously better than Villanova. And I think in a neutral court or in Philly, Villanova probably wins that game. But Marquette feeding off the home crowd, you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna be a little resilient, especially playing behind some top talent. Um one team in the American that I haven't mentioned. Let me talk about St. John's. All right, you want to talk about this. St. Sorry John's? To All right, go for it. How the fuck can you lose to Providence at home, seventy to fifty-six, coming off of a strong win in Marquette, the number ten ranked team in the country? This team is so up and down, and I guess it's better than the years before this because they were just down and down. I'll tell you what. It's at least there's some up, but. There's just no consistency to this team at all. And they don't have a bench. And, and they they don't have a big man at all whatsoever. And in college basketball, you kind of need a big man. Watching from the periphery, it looks like they play up to competition and down to competition. You know what that means? Coaching. Bad coaching. Hmm. Well, I, I wouldn't say it's bad. It would it takes a lot to beat those really good teams. Yeah, but you got to get those guys motivated I to totally play agree. your Creightons. And to I would play say that it's incomplete coaching. Because he's done enough in Mullen, that is. To Stop kissing my boy's ass. He's, he's coaching he's terribly. I, yeah, but he's won some huge games. Games that year a couple years ago you would never have had a chance to win. He just needs to get those guys to focus more on the games and not assume that games are won by playing the bottom end of that conference. But to go to, like, last year beat a Duke and beat a Villanova, and this year to beat a Marquette and a couple other big wins – uh, that Georgetown game in, in D.C., that, you know, that's impressive. Now you just have to carry that on to your lesser opponents, which young teams and young coaches, usually that's their last step. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate Mullen. I would be frustrated. But no, I don't hate Mullen. Come on. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I would be frustrated. But it, it's still, you know, it, it, I would say he's incomplete right now. Okay, fine. I'm still upset about that. I don't blame you. I would be too. You don't lose those games. All right, so let's move on to the American. That's enough of my rant. It would be like in baseball if the Yankees swept the Red Sox at Fenway for four straight and then got swept by the White Sox in New York. You know, like that would would be shit. We would look at Boone and be like, come on. Oh, early last year. Yeah, something (laughs) like that. Yeah. All right, so number 12, Houston beats 25, Cincinnati 65 to 58. Yeah, and Houston's a team that we haven't mentioned because I guess they've just done this so quietly. And I've looked at the rankings and I think I just overlooked them. Well, they were a top three seed last year i think yeah they were really good last year and i think because the the majority of the american conference is just so bad but they ha- did have two teams in the top 25 cincinnati's gonna fall off now but houston's you know conquering every test that they've had in that conference i didn't watch much of the game i had it on for a little bit they do look really solid they look really good and they were a top three seed last year that had, I believe, one or two tournament wins. Yeah, so, I think they went to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, and they just barely missed. I think they were Sweet 16 teams. So I, either way, you know, that's going to be a strong seed from the American. 
that's really all that conference has to hang their hat on. In another week, we're not talking about the Pac-12. The most exciting thing that happened in the Pac-12 this weekend was Bill Walton ate a cupcake that was still lit with the candle. I don't even know what game that was being announced because I wasn't watching. I, I just saw that. It and was he's Arizona State somebody because I was actually watching that game. Were you? Props yeah. to you, bud. Yeah, that I watched that live. Um, Bill Walton. Bill Walton. That's all you can Conference say. Conference of champions. Incredible stuff. He's he's an amazing man. He's out of his mind. I don't know if you know, but part-time he drove a cab while he was playing for the Trailblazers. I just remember watching a UConn game, and he was talking about cacti the entire time. I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. I it's Bill it Walton. The they just got to let him what he want, Let him do what he wants. Oh, no, they do. He's And, and listen, I, I don't doubt that he's the greatest guy to listen to. I love to talk philosophy with him and all that and basketball but I don't want to do it on a broadcast when I'm pretty sure he doesn't even know who's playing in the game. But True. regardless, that was the most exciting thing to happen in that conference this weekend. And continually, I mean, I the Pac-12 has not had a top 25 team since Oregon lost Bowl Bowl and fell out. That conference is really bad. Yeah, yeah. Definitely not the conference of champions. No. Their women's teams are pretty good. Yeah, actually. I think they have like four teams in the top 25. Yeah, Oregon's really good. Yeah. Um, but that's all we'll say about that. Um, and we'll move on to some MLB. Um, so why don't we lead off with the, something that actually happened. So spring training's coming up. Pitchers and catchers reported two days in two days. Yeah. Some are already there, but yeah, the official day for pitchers and catchers reporting is on Wednesday and then position players will report this weekend and early next week. All right. So let's talk about something that actually happened. JT Real Muto finally. finally has been traded to the Philadelphia Phillies. Does this have any implications on the Harper Machado thing? Because they got to pay him or no? No, because they still don't have to pay him for a while. Um, they did give up a pretty good prospect haul. They gave up their top pitching prospect, uh, Sixto Sanchez. And a couple of others, including their top catching prospect, which made sense if they're acquiring Real Muto. First of all, really good move by the Phillies. They have now an elite hitter and defensive catcher in that lineup. And whether they sign Harper, Machado, or they get a Kimbrel and a Keuchel, he's going to command that pitching staff. That's already pretty good, headlined by Aaron Nola. Um, Also, I give the Marlins credit because... I'm sure they didn't want to trade him within the division, but that was the best prospect haul they were going to get. And the Marlins are so far away from competing that by the time they're good again, I don't think Real Muto is even going to be starting. That's how long from from good they're going to be. So I give Jeter and and Mike Hill and, and the Marlins brass credit for doing this. The Padres were apparently heavily involved. The Astros, the Rays, the Reds. We're all, you know, rumored to be in offering really good packages for Real Muto. And the Marlins finally traded him. I mean, I was waiting for this almost as long as we've been waiting for Machado and Harper. Like, for years now, two years, it's like, are they going to trade him? Are they going to trade him? And it never made sense to me why they were going to trade Stanton and Yelich and Osuna and basically everybody else that had value and not trade him. Like, great, you have a great catcher on a team that's going to win 60 games. Like, yeah. I, just, just move him. And, and don't worry about whether it be in the division or not. Just move them. Great pickup for the Phillies, though. And if they can just get one of these guys and maybe one of the pitchers, either the either Keuchel or, or Kimbrell, I tell you, this team is now the favorite to win the National League East. Real Muto is that good. For, for, for baseball fans that don't know him that well, I know that Marlin team, you know, you're probably not watching those games, but he is a tremendous two-way catcher. Can hit, hit for power, and he calls a great game, great arm. 
defensively a wizard. So I did see though that it came out that the Yankees were that Noah Syndergaard possible move that was that was being floated out there for the three team deal. You know what Derek Jeter asked the Yankees for 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 JT Real Muto in that three team deal? What? Gary Sanchez and and Miguel Andujar. So needless to say, that wasn't going to happen. You got some balls, Jeter. Well, I think Love it. I think he's pissed that he got you know had to trade Stanton to the Yankees and get nothing in return other than salary relief. But yeah, so that was a big trade. It was about time that that happened. Um, kudos to the Phillies. Uh, that's a big time move. Yeah, I definitely think so too. Um, and then speaking of the guys that didn't get signed the, and the Phillies and spring training altogether, I mean, we're still sitting here. We're still sitting here. It's February 11th. I mean, last year, pretty much everybody had signed that was big except for J.D. Yeah, J.D. Martinez signed on February 26th. But that, to me, was different because it was only him and the Red Sox. Like, everybody knew that he wasn't going to go anywhere else, and the Red Sox really needed to add his power into that lineup because in 2017, the Red Sox just didn't have a lot of I'll power. Tell you what, it worked out for both of them. worked out really well. And, and you know, originally he wanted seven years, 200 the Sox ended up getting him for five years and 100. They were going to do their dance and eventually meet in the middle, but it was only going to be between those guys. Nobody else was really even mentioned as a possible suitor for Martinez. This is different because we've heard a couple different names for Machado and Harper, and now a, surf, a, a, a report surfaced, and it has not been confirmed or denied, but a couple very highly rated publications, CBS, SI, and even Nesson reported that very recently... The Yankees offered Manny Machado a 10-year, $220 million deal. $22 million a year sounds pretty damn good. So if it is true and he doesn't sign, then you know what? I can't get mad at the Yankees for, for not doing that. If it's not true, we're just back to where we started. It, I think each one, Harper and Machado, are waiting for the other to sign. Clearly, none of them are going to get Stanton's money, three hundred and twenty-five. So that throw that out the window. But I think I don't know about you, man. But when we blow up as a podcast and a, and a media site, if I'm making twenty two million dollars a year, I'm gonna be a very happy man. Listen, I hate to break this to you, I really <laughs> do. Yeah, I don't think I think I do, but I don't think at a podcast level. You know, I'm glad you're sitting down for this. You don't have the talent equivalent of Manny Machado's baseball talent. I do. No, you do not. Nobody I does. Do. Nobody does. Stop but, yourself. You're embarrassing yourself. But you don't have the talent level. Maybe you have Harper's talent level. Harper not. might make more, so I hope so. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he, I, I he's really the don't. one that's at least gotten the $300 million for 10 floated out there. We haven't seen anything close to that for Machado. So It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, this. what do you think of this? I, I've been thinking about this you know, before... You know, we haven't talked about these guys in a couple weeks, and rightfully so, nothing's happened. Um, real quick, Harper did have a meeting with the San Francisco Giants that apparently went better than than they thought, but the Giants have no interest in offering him anything close to three hundred million. They were saying they want to give him like something like four years, one eighty five, which is a fuck ton of money, but they want on a shorter term deal. So again, like we're, we're, these guys are getting deals. You know how in the NBA you can be a great player. Maybe you're Zion Williamson, maybe a, a LeBron James when he came out. Guys are going to have a, chi- a chance if they're great players to get like three or four max deals. 
what if baseball went to that kind of formula? Now, the problem is, is that you have more people on a roster. So there's more, you know, you're going to have to pay more guys. In basketball, you have a, you know, 13-man bench or whatever, or a 13-man team. In, in, in baseball, you got a 25-man roster and really active roster and really a 40-man roster. So it's going to be hard to do. But what about these max deals that are like four or five years? Because I think the reason that these guys haven't signed is they're expecting a 10-year, 8-year, 7-year offer that teams are just not willing to I offer. Think, well, I think that's just the right, the direction that the league's going in is that it's going to be more of these like maybe they'll get two fat deals, maybe two and a half. Yeah. Um, honestly, Harper, I think, should go for the long-term money because I think Washington, if he, if he came to them – hat in hand or whatever you want to say, he would end up getting his money. But for a Machado standpoint, if the Yankees came to me and said, why don't you have a giant year this year and do it all over again next year? We'll give you one year, I don't know, $50 million. Yeah. I would take it. I would too. I, I would too. And and, and, and maybe it comes to that. Maybe the Yankees are just like, you know what, we got – we don't know where we're going to be. We got DD here. Maybe he'll fall in love with it and we'll be able to lock him in long term. Let's see how he is with the clubhouse. Let's see how he is with the New York. We'll just offer him a boatload of money. And if he's a pain in the ass or it doesn't work out, he's gone next year. Take your take your big fat check and leave. Maybe it works out for both sides and he can just re-up next year. Yeah, I mean, I think that having that flexibility, I don't think it's the financial constraints that or the just teams give him, are worried about just i give think him it's a LeBron, give him a lebron deal like give him a give him a i think it's just out. you know in baseball that just hasn't happened yet and i don't think these guys who had you know 10 years 12 years 335 million dollars in their minds are gonna all of a sudden go for one year i think it's a i think it's a smack in the face to them but i think that the market, i know but you know what LeBron, agents, before lebron nobody was doing I know, these but that was deals. true but in the nba you can't offer a 10-year deal so, and we haven't, and there hadn't been, you know, stretches and you don't have contemporaries on those deals. There's no one in the NBA who's on a 10 year deal and the other, most others are on five or sixes in baseball. You have guys who are the same age as you or close to it that are making, you know, you have John Carlos Stanton making $28 million a year. You, you have contemporaries and that's not, you know, their fault that those guys signed those deals. Nobody's worth that money, but we've just seen over time, the course of action is, is that none of those deals are worth it as far as commitment is concerned. I don't yeah. think the financial situation, unless you're a Seattle Mariners or a team like the Padres or the Royals, I don't think the money's the concern. The problem is, is you can't get out from under that. If Jacoby Ellsbury was on any other team, that team would be in, you know, they couldn't do anything. They would be in, in a financial crisis. Yeah. And, and you're right. I just think it's crazy because in every other league, there's a, a hard cap. That was a seven-year deal. Yeah, there's a hard cap, and it's spread out so evenly. And it's like, I mean, Giancarlo Sitton is, what, 27 years old? Yeah. And he's making $28 million a year. And let's just pretend Judge is his best friend on the team. They're the same age. And Judge is probably a better overall player, and he's making how much a year? Yeah, not even, I don't think, hardly a million with arbitration. Not even arbitration eligible yet. Yeah, and and you just look at this guy and you're like, I'm better than him. Probably he. But probably, the problem is with Judge is it took him until he was yeah, 25 to but come I'm just up. Using when him Stan as an example, it, you, you know, can look at Didi too. What's Didi making? Five a year? Yeah, but a lot of this, I'm comparing more to like contemporaries who have played as long. You know, Stanton came up when he was like 20. You yeah. know, Machado and Harper came up when they were 20, 21. You know, so it's 
those guys you, you're looking more like a trout, you know, something like that. Uh, the guys who came up late, you're not really even in the same ballpark because by the time Judge is ready for a big extension, he's going to be 31 years old. And the Yankees will give him a four-year fat deal, you know, five-year fat deal. That's fine. They're not going to – he's no. He's going to be no, nowhere come close to being able to get a 10-year deal. These guys are 26 being in their prime and this good. That's different. So, I don't know. That That's really all I have to say on those guys. Um, spring training's – Starting in the first games or in week, and it's it's nuts. But I'm I'm happy as I'm happy it's baseball season. I just it's hard to believe the spring training is opening with the top two guys, and then all those other tiers: your Keuchel's, your your Marwin Gonzalez's, your Craig Kimbrell's. A lot of great players, and you can see there's a lot of anger from players who were just in this free agency period who did sign. They're very mad at the at the market, and we're heading for a work stoppage. There's no doubt about it. Wow, big words, big words. All right, so we will be on next week. We are going to be on Just Send the Suffering collabed with the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We will throw that audio up most likely next Monday. So we will talk to you guys then. Have a good night. Have a great week.